Is it possible for an unhappy marriage to ever be happy again? Is it possible to forgive what seems unforgivable and love what seems unlovable? Can God really heal the hurt of a broken marriage and restore it into something beautiful? If you've ever asked yourself any of these questions, then we are so glad you're joining us for today's Q&A episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we answer today's listener question, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Hey guys, Ginger Hubbard here. This is the part where Katie usually welcomes me to the show and then reads the questions from our listeners. But today, we're going to switch it up a little because today's question is actually a question specifically for Katie, and I think it's an important one. I'm also 100% convinced that her answer is going to bring tremendous hope to so many of you out there who are hurting and struggling in your marriage right now. For those of you who are new to the podcast, in our first two episodes, Katie and I wanted our listeners to know a little about us before we launched into all of our parenting episodes. So we did a two-part show on how it all began. And in episode one, I shared my really fun story of how I got started speaking and writing in the first place. And I also shared my not-so-fun story of the events that led up to me stepping down from public ministry after a painful divorce in 2009 and the reasons why I wound up taking a seven-year sabbatical. And I've kept a brief statement about this on my website for years, but that episode is actually the first time that I've ever spoken about it publicly. I also share how God brought my husband, Ronnie, into my life 10 years ago after I said I would never marry again, (laughs) never say never, and the amazing doors that God opened for me to step back into full-time ministry of speaking and writing again in 2018. So if you missed my story, I hope you'll go back and listen to episode one. Um, It is all about the faithfulness of God during very difficult seasons of life, seasons that we would have never chosen to go through, but seasons that God allows us to go through and how he can and how he can and will use them for his purpose and glory if we seek and trust him through those situations. So I think you'll be encouraged to go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. And then in episode two, Katie and I talked about how we met 
and how we wound up doing a podcast together. And Katie shared just a little bit about the struggles that she's faced in her marriage and how over the course of about eight years of Christian counseling, including some very bad Christian counseling, which wound up doing more harm than good, uh, how she and her husband began to experience God's redemption and restoration in their marriage. And just that little bit that Katie shared really struck a chord with a lot of our listeners. Katie's story of how God brought healing and joy to her marriage is one that will bring so much encouragement and so much hope that I've asked her to share a little bit more about it in detail in this episode. And it comes at the request of our listeners, one of whom submitted a question for Katie that I'm going to read in just a moment. But before I do that, I do want to say that we will be discussing some adult content on the show today. Nothing too graphic, of course. But if you have young children with you, you might want to hit pause and wait until you can listen without little ears hearing some words that you might not be ready to explain just yet. Also, some of you might be wondering why in the world we're talking about marriage on a parenting podcast, and that's a good question, and I actually have a good answer. In short, the husband-wife relationship has a direct effect on the parent-child relationship, whether positive or negative. A damaging and unhealthy marriage without exception has a damaging and unhealthy effect on children. Kids today, they're already faced with so many conflicting opinions about God's design for marriage, and those conflicting opinions can create uncertainty and confusion and even insecurities in the hearts of our kids. But when mom and dad love each other with that unconditional, others-oriented, self-sacrificing love that Jesus calls us to— That really brings unity to the marriage, which brings a sense of security and comfort in the hearts of our children. So moms, one of the most powerful ways that you can show love to your kids is by loving their dad. And dads, one of the most powerful ways that you can show love to your kids is by loving their mom. Katie's story of loving her husband by the grace of God when her husband wasn't so lovable and the way that God used that unconditional patient love is a story that I know is going to bring hope to a lot of our listeners who are struggling in their marriages today or who are close to someone who's struggling in a hard marriage, which is actually the case with our question today that comes from Julie in Michigan. Julie writes, Katie, I listened to your testimony. Thank you for sharing. Where would you suggest to go for marriage help? A friend's marriage sounds similar to yours, where her husband confesses to be a Christian, but he is not submitting to Christ as his authority and walking in truth. They are really struggling, and I would love to hear more about your journey and how your marriage came to healing. Maybe it would be of help to them. Thanks. Well, Julie, I sat down after I read your question just to take a few notes, and I ended up with 15 typed pages. (laughs) So (laughs) I believe that so many of the situations in my life and in my marriage have built toward answering this question. How can a Christian persevere through a difficult marriage? And while I don't know the specifics of your friend's marriage, nor can I know what is in her husband's heart— I can offer a bit of advice and counsel based on my own experience. So I've boiled my thoughts down to three basic tips, I guess you could call them. But please know this list isn't exhaustive. I just had to limit myself somehow. Um, But before I get started, Ginger, will you lead us in prayer for Julie's friend and for any other listeners who are struggling with a difficult marriage? Sure. Lord Jesus, we come to you today with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts that no matter what we're going through, 
No matter what trial or what heartache we're facing, you love us and your will is to prosper us and not to harm us. It's to give us hope and a future. We know that every situation is different and that there's not a one-size-fits-all solution to every marriage problem. But Lord, we also know that you are not a God of confusion, but a God of hope and a God of healing. So Lord, we ask today that you use the story that you've given Brian and Katie for your glory, that your word and your truth will be heard over anything that Katie and I have to say. We pray that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts will be pleasing to you and that you will do a work in the hearts and the lives of Julie's friend and her husband as only you can do. And we pray you'd also work in the lives of any of our listeners out there who are suffering from the pain and heartache of living in a difficult marriage. We love you, Lord, and we trust you with every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Katie. So I know the Lord has laid a lot on your heart to share, so take it away. Well, in preparation for this episode, I prayed that God would use my words in a way that only He can do. Um, I feel totally inadequate to communicate the truths of His Word, but I do know that He uses imperfect vessels to achieve His ultimate purposes. So when my husband Brian and I got married, we were overwhelmed with generous gifts from our friends and our family, and many of them gifted us beautiful pieces of fine china and pottery. And as I think back on our marriage, it is in a lot of ways like a piece of that pottery. So to the outside observer, our marriage was strong, and it looked like the other good Christian marriages around us. Um, But what I didn't see at first were just these hairline cracks beneath the surface, just little questions that would pop into my mind from time to time about how solid our marriage really was. So things that were absent from our marriage, like prayer and Bible reading and fellowship with other believers. Uh, There were sins that we brought into our marriage that we thought would be absolved because, you know, well, we're married now. Uh, But one day, about a year into marriage, it was as if someone took that precious piece of pottery and just shattered it into a million pieces. We spent nearly a decade (laughs) gluing ourselves back together only to hit a bump in the road and then fall to pieces all over again. We visited more Christian counselors than I can possibly count. Um, To demonstrate our maturity and how seriously we took these sessions, we gave most of our counselors nicknames. So (laughs) there was eyebrows. Um, He had the most amazingly bushy white eyebrows. And I remember nothing about those sessions, Ginger, except his eyebrows. (laughs) uh, Then there was the literal cowboy counselor. He wore cowboy boots and drank Coke with chocolate in it. And he also liked to give marriage advice through stick figure drawings. And I actually, I still have uh, some of those drawings. He would illustrate, and I mean literally illustrate, how men are like microwaves and women are like crockpots. I mean, he was hilarious. Uh, (laughs) But none of these well-meaning counselors did our marriage much good. Some of them, in fact, did more harm than good. So not Mm -hmm. one of them opened up a well-worn Bible and had us take a hard look at our own sin and then cry out to God there and then for forgiveness. Most of them wanted to hear about Brian's childhood and how that affected his inability to tell the truth. Uh, Brian was even diagnosed with an impulse control disorder by a counselor who felt the need to label his sin as sickness. Now, this is not to say that there aren't good Christian therapists out there, but it is a warning that looking outside of God's word and you know, to the American Psychiatric Association to give us a tidy diagnosis will not produce any lasting heart change. Issues of the human condition and our need for Christ cannot be understood through the lens of secular psychology. Mm -hmm. 
Now, before I get hate mail, (laughs) please know that a very dear friend of mine is a Christian psychologist who works in a secular environment. And I know that she has done worlds of good for her patients because I have on many occasions sought her advice for myself and for my kids. I just want our listeners to know that there is, I believe, a better way to approach marriage counseling than through the model of secular psychology. Mm -hmm. From our experience, the secular model emphasizes my happiness, our happiness, while biblical counseling emphasizes God's glory, which includes my sanctification. And believe me, sanctification isn't always a happy time. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And you know, Katie, it's the same with many churches today, promoting a me-ism gospel where it's all about us. Mm -hmm. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Our role in the gospel is not to be served, but to serve. Mm-hmm. It's to die to ourselves and take up our cross as we praise Him and worship Him and point others to Him and give Him all the glory. But we're not going to get up on that bandwagon. All right, so, <laughs> so go on. All right, keep, keep talking. Well, I do have one more disclaimer, and then I promise I'll stop with those. Before I go into much detail about what did help our marriage, I want to tell you all that I was then, and I am currently medicated for depression. So Ginger and I want to do an entire episode on that particular struggle. But So I'm not anti-medication. I believe God has graciously given us medications to treat many different psychological and physiological issues. But I also believe that sin and sickness are not mutually exclusive. Not all sin is devoid of sickness, and not all sickness is devoid of sin. This is why it's so important to seek God's wisdom for all of our struggles. Yes, one thing that we all have in common is that we are all sin sick. Amen. Sin is our infection. And apart from the grace of God, it's also our demise. But thankfully, it doesn't have to be our demise because our God is great. And He is also our great physician. And in Mark 2, 17, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That is good news for all of us sinners. And even better news is that Jesus, who is completely sinless, bore the punishment for our sins so that through Him we can stand righteous before God. Mm. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Mm. So, Katie, it sounds like you guys had to go through quite a lot of counselors before you actually found one that would point you to the Word of God and have you examine and deal with with your own sinful hearts instead of casting all of the blame elsewhere. Absolutely. And because we'd been through so many counselors, probably half a dozen or more in eight years of marriage, I did not have much hope that this little church counseling center in Kansas City, Missouri would do us much good. I hadn't heard of biblical, which is also called newthetic counseling before, and I knew there were Christian counselors but I wasn't aware that there was a difference. So we'll put a link in the show notes that explains in detail the differences between newthetic counseling and popular Christian counseling. But the gist is that biblical counseling closely follows the Bible's view of itself as the source of a comprehensive and detailed approach to understanding and counseling people. Christian counseling, on the other hand, uh, tends to rely on secular psychology for the basis of their counseling theory and methods. Yeah, and we know we have found a good biblical counselor when they help us change our perspective. We've all been hurt by people in some way. We've all had things done to us that are unfair and unjust and even cruel and evil, some worse than others. But we can't blame those people and things done to us for our own sinful choices. Sure, it's good to talk through and process hard things we've been through or hard things we're going through with someone that we trust. 
that's all part of the healing process. But we know we have a good counselor when that counselor helps us to switch gears and to change our focus and to move forward. We know we found a wise biblical counselor when we suddenly find ourselves saying, you know, I don't want to talk about what my mama did or what my daddy did or what my uncle Joe did or what my husband did anymore. I want to talk about what Jesus did. I want to talk about how he's healing me from the wrongs and injustices and terrible things that I've suffered and how he's helping me to get out of that desperate state and miserable cycle of reliving my past and blaming everyone else for my own sinful choices. Mm. I want to talk about moving forward and rejoicing in who God is and what He's doing in my life in the here and now and and what He's going to continue to do as I praise Him and as I make every effort to give Him the glory by forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And as I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, because that is what Philippians 3, 13 and 14 tells me to do. As we take our focus off ourselves and instead focus on trusting and praising and worshiping Jesus, even in the midst of suffering, man, the Holy Spirit just changes our whole perspective, mm-hmm. which changes the way we think and the way we feel and the way we live. But I guess if we all had that perspective, all the counselors would have to find new careers. Yeah, most of them aren't in the business of working themselves out of a job. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends Membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm. And I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. And he said, well, I never noticed that before. And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. 
Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper, but my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. With that crazy long introduction, Julie, I, I guess my first recommendation for your friend is to seek out biblical counseling for herself, her husband, or ideally both of them. So I'm just eternally grateful for our two biblical counselors and how they boldly pointed out where both of our hearts were sin sick. And I guess that was the biggest shock to me as we went through biblical counseling. I was fully prepared to spill all of Brian's issues as we had done before, and we were well rehearsed in blaming everyone but ourselves for our marriage issues. What I wasn't prepared for, though, is a deep dive into the thoughts and intentions of my own heart. I was surprised by how much of our biblical counseling was actually about me. So I was thinking, hang on a minute, aren't we here to fix him? (laughs) Uh, But Paul Tripp writes in his book, Journey to the Cross, that you never see a person in a protest carrying a sign with an arrow pointing down and the words, I am the problem, written on it. (laughs) But biblical counseling caused me to confront my own self-righteousness and to take responsibility for my own behavior. Hmm. Paul Tripp also says in that same book that the gospel forces you to admit that your biggest problems in life exist inside you and not outside you. So no, it isn't my fault that my husband sinned against me, but in the same way, it's not his fault that I sinned against him. Mm -hmm. And that's a simple yet profound truth, Katie. And what it really boils down to is us being willing to take responsibility and ownership for our own sin. Mm. We've been blaming other people for our own sinful choices since Adam and Eve. (laughs) When God asked Adam why he ate forbidden fruit from the tree, he said, that woman you put here with me, she made me do it. And when God asked Eve about it, she blamed the serpent. Mm. And we've pretty much been professional blame shifters ever since. We're always looking for ways to explain away our own sin by casting blame somewhere else. Even with statements that casually brush off hurtful words like, well, I didn't mean it the way it sounded, Mm. or you misunderstood what I was trying to say, or when we're really caught red-handed, that's just in such a way that we can't even throw it off on the other person misunderstanding, we excuse ourselves with, well, I can't help it. That's just my personality. Those are often just clever tactics we use to avoid taking responsibility for our own sin. But instead, according to James 5.16, it's God's will that we confess our sins to each other and pray for each other. His will is for us to ask for forgiveness and to freely give it. When we're willing to humble ourselves and seek forgiveness when we've wronged someone, God's grace comes down and it just does extraordinary things. Mm -hmm. And Katie, so I'm over here wondering if God used your willingness to acknowledge and humbly confess your own sins, even in the midst of you being so hurt, to help soften Brian's heart. But I'm sure you're going to get to how God changed Brian's heart. So I don't want to put the cart before the horse. (laughs) So back to Julie's question. She asked to hear a little bit more about your journey than what you shared in episode two. So give us a little background for context. 
Well, I've said this before, but I share our story after much prayer and with the support and encouragement of my precious husband. And Brian jokingly says he wanted me to record his voice at the top of the show saying, my name is Brian Morgan and I approve this message (laughs) (laughs) because he does. Um, Our marriage today is the result of many years of choosing grace and forgiveness over anger and bitterness. And this, by the way, is a work of the Holy Spirit alone. It's pretty clear to both of us how we would have ended up if God hadn't intervened. Brian spent eight years lying to me about his past and his sexual sin. So it started small, and by that I mean pornography and chatting online, but it progressed to full-fledged adultery. I had determined in my mind and in my heart that adultery was the unforgivable sin. So I packed up our kids, who were two and one at the time, and I left my husband. I drove back home to Georgia, and I planned to begin life again as a single mom. I remember feeling a bit relieved that after so many years of wondering, I finally had my answer. Brian had committed the sin that would allow me to leave him with a clear conscience. I had biblical grounds, so to speak, to divorce him. It wasn't until I realized that I was pregnant again that I agreed to return home to Kansas with Brian and pursue biblical counseling. I knew I couldn't have another baby and two toddlers while going through a divorce. I really honestly thought it would kill me, and I was already borderline anorexic from the stress of our marriage and my response to it. So we began biblical counseling, but I really did so with one foot out the door. Looking back, I probably just went to witness someone else point out Brian's flaws and to prove me right. But week after week, our counselors were patient to point out our self-deception, our self-righteousness, our anger, and our hypocrisy, plural. They didn't minimize Brian's sins, but they didn't minimize mine either. They counseled us with humility and through lots and lots of prayer. Mm, That's good counseling. You know, I think sometimes it's all too easy to blame shift when we've been sinned against, especially when that sin against us is hands down a blatant violation against the marriage covenant. So we have a tendency to home in on the obvious and hurtful sin against us to the point that we don't consider that the equally heinous sins of self-righteousness and pride might be lurking in the hidden corners of our own hearts. But We all know that no sin, whether out in the open obvious or buried underneath our own self-serving expectations of not being loved or treated as we feel we deserve, no sin is hidden from God. It's so much easier and natural, and Katie, I say this from personal experience, to point a finger and blame shift than to humble ourselves even when we've been wronged and ask God to reveal the sin in our own hearts and to seek forgiveness. Mm. But we're warned about this in Matthew 7, 3 through 5, which says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, Katie, that verse pricks my heart probably more sharply than anyone's. Mm -hmm. I have all too often looked past my old big old plank to home in on someone (laughs) else's speck. Also, let me add here that we really have no control over someone sinning against us, but we can control how we respond. Mm -hmm. Are we going to respond with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness? Or are we going to offer the same unconditional love and mercy and grace that Jesus offers us? 
the ones who deeply forgive are the ones who are aware of how deeply they've been forgiven. Mm. And the ones who give grace when grace is not deserved are the ones who are aware that they've been given undeserved grace. It's to the same extent that we recognize our own sin and receive the covering of that sin through the shed blood of Jesus that we're able to overlook and cover the sins of another. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4 to love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And we're told in Proverbs 10, 12 that hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. Now, that's not to say that a person's love can blot out the sins of another, of course, the only love that can cover another's sin in the sense of blotting it out is the love of Jesus. Our covering is in the sense of forgiving and overlooking. Colossians 3.13 says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Mm. And Proverbs 19.11 says that it's to a person's glory to overlook an offense. And yet those things don't come easily or naturally for us, which is why we have to be dependent on Jesus to work in us and through us. Hmm. So, Katie, at this point in your story, you're both now getting really good, solid biblical counseling, and God is revealing sin issues in both of your hearts. So after eight years of bad counseling, you guys are finally making some real progress. That's right. But not long into that counseling, I actually had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And the details of that experience and how it happened are just too difficult for me to share even now, but I was actually alone in the emergency room one January evening as a young doctor came in and just shared that news with me. And I didn't try to hold back my tears as I drove myself home from the hospital in the middle of the night. I hadn't even told Brian where I was going or why, and I have never felt so alone in my entire life. As I got closer to home, I had to stop for a long time at a stop sign because I couldn't see to drive. Um, And I think for the first time, I understood what Paul said in Romans 8, 26, that we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Mm -hmm. So as I sat there in my car in a puddle of tears in the middle of the night, I listened to a song by Laura's story. And some of you have probably heard it. It's called Blessings. And here are the lyrics that just, every time I hear them, they take me back to that moment. What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy. What if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights are your mercies in disguise? Hmm. So that night was the hardest night of my life. Sitting at that stop sign with a dead baby still inside of me, I have never felt more alone. Hmm. But God, and I, I know now after years of reflection and the benefit of hindsight, I never was alone. God orchestrated every moment of my life up to that point for His glory and my good. I married Brian for a reason. The Air Force sent us to Kansas for a reason. We attended that church with the best biblical counselors in the world for a reason. I got pregnant for a reason, and I lost that baby for a reason, though only God knows why. I will never forget our biblical counselor. Her name was also Julie. Uh, She told me that if God could have changed Brian and me in a different way, he would have. So that really struck me because she saw that God could use something as painful and horrible as adultery and miscarriage to soften and change both of our hearts. 
Wow, Katie, what a godly perspective. Only Jesus can give us that kind of a perspective. Mm. It's so good when we're able to praise God, even for the bad things that happen to us, because we know He's using all things for His purpose and His glory, even when we don't understand those things. It's through that kind of praise that we really begin to experience the power of God in our lives. Okay, thank you, Katie, for sharing some of your story today. And I know you have more to share, so we're going to pick back up on part two of When Marriage is Hard next week. But before we go, there are a couple of awesome books that we'd like to recommend because we know some of you guys are listening and you're really hurting. Um, If you know someone who's struggling with unforgiveness or anger or bitterness, or perhaps you yourself are struggling with some of those things, R.T. Kendall's book, Total Forgiveness, is really an excellent resource that takes a gospel-oriented approach to uprooting those weeds of destruction in your heart. Uh, because those sort of things will destroy your heart if you don't allow God to take care of them. And so we want you to have the resources to help you to do that, because when God heals our hearts of bitterness and anger, it really brings about a freedom in our lives. So we want you to experience that. And then one of my absolute favorite books that I recommend a lot is written by my sweet friend, Lisa Turkhurst. It's called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way, Finding Unexpected Strength When Disappointments Leave You Shattered. And let me tell you something, Lisa Turkhurst, that woman has been through the ringer, so she can really relate to some of the deepest kinds of hurts. But what Lisa discovered was that All that suffering and pain that she endured were all divine appointments to encounter God more fully. Believe me, it is one of the best books I've ever read. You guys, if you're struggling in some of these areas, you will not be able to put that book down. So we're going to put links to both of these books in our show notes. And we thank you so much for joining us today. And we really look forward to being with you again next week for part two of When Marriage is Hard. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just really helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. And speaking of reaching the hearts of their children, Ginger, why don't you tell our listeners where we are both going to be in May? Yeah, I think we mentioned it in one of our previous episodes, but our listeners may have forgotten by now. So yeah, just a quick reminder that Katie and I will be at the Kansas Home Education Show in Wichita on May 21st and 22nd. Um, And I will be speaking on reaching the heart of your child. And when I'm not speaking, we will both be hanging out at my booth and we would love to meet you. You can find out details and how to register by clicking on the link on my speaking schedule at gingerhubbard.com. So we hope you'll come on out and join us in Wichita, Kansas, May 21st and 22nd, because we would be so honored to meet you guys. Do you have a parenting question? We invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful parenting resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her book, Guiltless Living, which is her only book that's not on the topic of biblical parenting. In Guiltless Living, Ginger walks us through the seldom admitted, rarely talked about sins of the heart. Through brutally honest confessions, Ginger opens the dark chapters of her own heart in order to share about God's glorious grace toward repentant sinners. If you struggle with condemnation and beating yourself up, 
here's the book that will help you break those chains and live in the grace of God. Guiltless Living includes a seven-week study guide in the back of the book, which makes it a great resource for group Bible studies or your personal quiet time. You can get Guiltless Living at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names to help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day, every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives. <laughs>